DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's on Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winner, Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Lincoln, good morning. DJ PK, it's LK all day. How you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, since you've got uh, one foot in the college football world uh, at the Pac-12 Network, and you got one foot in the pro football world doing the Raider games, what is it about this side of the country, and what will be crazier when it's all said and done, the AFC West, the NFC West, or the Pac-12? <laughs> um, probably a little bit of all, depending on how you look at it. it again, you know, we, we've been together for years now, and, and we talked about national recognition when it comes to college football and how the Pac-12 lacks respect. However, I think you guys agree with me in, in, in a sense where you, it, it, you appreciate the competitiveness of the conference, the fact that they have to play nine games, um, it really, you know, is a real round robin when it comes to divisional or conference play. So it's anyone's game. Uh, I think the South is up in the air. I think Utah is good enough to beat SC if they can contain their sl- uh, contain their scoring and not turn over the ball as much as they did uh, in, at Wazoo, and that would be the first time what Utah's beaten SC in LA, if possible, if yes. it happens. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, just to, you know, name a few things there, but. Uh, as far as the in the, the north is just involved, you might even see the Beavers pull it out the way as strong and consistent they looked last week when I did their game against Washington. But you know, when it comes to the pro game, you know this is not necessarily unusual. I think parity is still a part of the NFL as it always has been. It's going to show more so when you talk about those two particular divisions because I believe that the NFC West and the AFC West are two divisions with capable enough teams to just beat up on each other. And they'll be lucky if they can split the divisional games. Uh, and it's highly unlikely anybody's going to go through it unscathed. Um, you know, right now the Broncos haven't played anybody in division, so they, even though they have their first loss, and the Chargers set up top taking care of the Raiders and the Chiefs, and you know potentially what the Chiefs can do. So they're not going to be down for long, or they'll try to figure out the formula why. So I, I think it's really some competitive divisions and some good football. It'd be good fodder to talk about. I was disappointed with the Raiders' performance on, on Monday, and we know they're not a good running team, but I thought, you know, they, they really just, I don't know if bottomed out is the right phrase. So my thought for you as an old offensive lineman, maybe a combination, multiple choice question, is it of lack of talent up front or in the backfield? Neither. What it is is a lack of cohesiveness and consistency. You have to remember, when it comes to the Raiders, uh, you know, a lot of people have been, including myself, have been critical of the lack of run game. But to be fair, you know, they came into the season expecting Denzel to be playing right guard, Richie Incognito to be playing left guard, and Andre James, who's, you know, a new starter, to, to be protected by two veteran players. Well, that's not the case. Matter of fact, they just signed Jermaine Illuminor to the starting right guard now at the end of, uh, at the end of training camp, preseason. So, you know, he's had only a little bit of time to get, uh, you know, into it and involved with the offense or know the offense as well as, say, uh, Denzel Good, who's been here for, uh, been with the Raiders for a couple of years. And, of course, then you have John Simpson on the other side, which is a developmental player that they've been working on since they drafted him out of Clemson. So there's inconsistencies in the front, mainly, and also the fact that you just drafted a rookie right tackle. So there, there's a learning curve for uh, rookies that come into this league, no matter what position you play. 
With that being said, you know, you quantify that by not having Jacobs for the last three weeks, and now you get him one game, and they made an effort to try to get him established. But I'm of the mindset that certain guys do things a lot, sometimes better than others. For example, Kenyon Drake is a different running back than Peyton Barber is a different running back than Josh Jacobs. And schematic-wise, I think it's up to Gruden and, and Coach Cable, the run game uh, coach, to sit and figure out when we have whichever number in the backfield, there are runs that are conducive to their strengths, and those are the ones that we have to call and get good at, rather than trying to throw every run at the same running back. It just doesn't work that way. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. Um, are they just going to evolve then? And how much as all these seasons get longer, should we really reserve judgment in September and early October because these seasons are long and teams are going to evolve? I would say going forward, because it's sort of been established over the past uh, eight, nine years, maybe maybe even the last decade, you can consider, that the real preseason is the first month of the season for football teams because they're really not doing much or, or trying to do much in the preseason. They just don't want to run the risk. So the real season, the, the real preseason or exhibition style comes from the first month of football. Now, it's a very dangerous game. If you start off in the hole 0-4, then you have to spend that much more time climbing out, obviously. But you really don't know who you will have until you play someone. And I've been critical of the Raiders the entire preseason because they didn't play anybody in the preseason. And then they, they say they're saving them for the first game. You come out after the first game, you finally you beat Baltimore in overtime, but you have 17 guys on the injured reserve, injured injury list the next day, you know, the post game and, and the Tuesday and Wednesday. So, you know, where are you without? Where are you? You lost two good players in Jeremy McCoy and Denzel Good. First game of the season. They're on IR done for the season. Richie Incognito has yet to play, and it's been, you know, they've, not, they've had him on IR now, so he can't quite come back to play for a couple of weeks. So all that being said, where are you? Are you better now after not skipping preseason or not getting that type of conditioning, or are you worse off because you're still trying to find your way? I know that's a mouthful, but the fact is that the Raiders are 3-1, and one, and if you would have come into the season looking at that first month of football and say you can be 3-1 after it, I know they would have taken it. Is Justin Herbert big time? Because he looks it to me, but I'm an untrained guy. <laughs> he is big time. You know, you think about the job that he did stepping up for Tyrod Taylor last year after the, the sort of medical mishap against the Chiefs and growing throughout the season. And I thought the Chargers record, the Chargers team was better than their actual record last year. They just mismanaged a lot of games. Uh, Herbert, if there's if there's one criticism, and it's it was kind of seen in the in Monday night game, if there's one criticism or one thing that he needs to get better on, it's his touch on the long ball. Um, he doesn't really have, he really doesn't put an arc on a long ball. There were three missed throws that if he would have connected would have just, you know, really put the Chargers over top, even more so than they were. Uh, but, you know, he still has to learn that touch on that long ball. And I think he'll get it. It'll come in time. But for the most part, He's got enough weapons behind him. There's sound offensive system. The fact that he can use his legs when it comes down to it, this is a this is a very good football team in the Chargers. So this uh, chief defense has given up 31 points a game, which is a stunning and staggering number. Should I think they're going to evolve and this is just the preseason for them and Andy Reid and his staff will get that figured out or this is going to be a major problem? I'm one of the minorities that believe in that there is a such thing as a, a Super Bowl hangover. Now, the Chiefs have gone to the last two Super Bowls having won one. And, and it's hard, as you guys know, it's, it's hardly been done in, in league history to go to three straight Super Bowls. 
With that being said, I think the Chiefs' number is up for this year. I think the teams and the parity have somewhat closed the gap to where it's not going to be even where they're just going to walk away with the division. There's going to be a challenge, you know, for this division, uh, this division title, let alone in the playoffs. More importantly, there are a lot of teams that have gotten better. I mean, look at Buffalo. You know, you, we just talked about the Chargers, just to name a few. I have to I think the Raiders and the Chargers, it's going to come down to the final game of the regular season in January for the division title. That's kind of what I'm projecting, that the winner win, wins that and takes it all. So um, with that being said, I think the AFC has closed this gap a little bit. I still think the Chiefs are capable. Obviously, with those offensive weapons, you can't count them out. But more and more teams are becoming – Build, having the ability to score touchdowns rather than just settle for field goals. And that is what ultimately challenges the Chiefs. Their defense is porous. This defense has been you know, not as great for many years now, but the fact is, is that people haven't always been able to score touchdowns. Now they can, and that's what's going to make the, the competition close the gap a little bit more on the Chiefs. As far as the Pac-12, particularly the South, maybe even the North, I'm not buying anybody, and at the same time, I'm not. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna rule out Arizona and Colorado, and even SC right. with two losses. Obviously, they can't afford another one, so they may have to win out, right. and that might be too difficult. But it's check with me Saturday night each week, and I'll give you my updated yeah. opinion. I don't know that I can make any declarations about whichever team at this point. Mm. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think SC is not going to win out. I, as I said a moment ago, I think Utah has a great chance to, to get them if they can limit the mistakes and just play within themselves. Because I still think they have a tremendous formula for success. But, you know, UCLA has shown some improvement and shown times where if you can't stop the running game, then it can be a long night for you. Um, ASU is – I haven't seen ASU play a consistent game yet this season, and I don't know if they'll get it together. They do have some, you know, some power and potentially dangerous, but they have to play a consistent game. As far as the North, the North is in turmoil. I think that Stanford has found a way to, to, to right the ship, even to see how they've come back after their injuries. Oregon is still capable, but they need better play out of Brown, their quarterback. He's not reading his progressions, in my opinion, and, and I, I think that he's not necessarily uh, – comfortable with throwing down the field or trusting the receivers to throw down the field to really stretch that the opposing defenses. And they can only rely on the run game so much. Oregon State has a, has a favorable schedule now that they've beaten uh, SC and, and, uh, and they've beaten Washington. Washington is now still trying to figure out their coaching issues. But, you know, they, everything is really up in the air. And, and, and there's going to be teams that are going to beat, get a hold of them or, you know, get the best of them. No one could expect Wazoo would beat Cal at Cal, but it happens. Oregon State has won four in a row, and I know Hawaii and Idaho at home, they're supposed to win, but SC and Washington, I mean, how far are they going to stretch this out? Now, it's three of those four games are at home, and two, you know, they're highly favored in, so I don't want to get too crazy here, but it's fun to watch Cinderella win, and Oregon State qualifies as Cinderella. Those are big wins for Oregon State. You know, there's no way, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. The fact that they hadn't beaten Washington in what, I think it was 11 years, they conquered that. The fact that they hadn't beaten the SC in L.A. since 1960, I mean, they got over that. Those are big wins for the program, and it's it's a motivating factor that's going to take the program far. Look, their secondary is some guys, are some guys that are going to be playing in the National Football League on Sunday. Um, they've got some good players on that team, and they've got a good formula with their dual backs that if they can just remain consistent and one of the better offensive line coaches in all of college football, if they can just remain consistent and limit the amount of turnovers, that's a good football team, especially in the North. And I think they can challenge just about anybody. They've already proven that they have 
they can challenge anybody. Uh, but I think they're capable of playing with everyone uh, on the rest of their schedule. So you've played at all levels at the highest level, and this Urban Meyer thing has been a big story here nationally. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to make of it. Obviously, it's not a good look. But if they're 4-0, is it not as bad a look? <laughs> so are we combining that stuff at the bar or restaurant the other night? Is And it's his personal life, and you know, obviously I wouldn't condone it by any stretch. But nevertheless, he's not breaking any laws. And then we hear these guys, well, he has no respect to the locker room and all. And I'm wondering, well, wait a second, these guys are 0-4, so do we have respect for them? What do you just make of the whole situation as far as his ability to get what he wants accomplished done in Jacksonville? You know, to me, there are guys who are cut out for certain levels, and they're just good at what they do at that level. Nick Saban is a better college football coach than he was a pro coach. Same could be said in many ways about Harbaugh and Michigan. I think there are guys that, you know, I, I kind of deem like control freaks. Chip Kelly is another one. Control freaks need to have their way of controlling things, their surroundings, and their way. It's not the same when a college coach goes up to the next level because a lot of those veterans, you know, when you come into a locker room and you're just like, hey, guys, I want you to buy in. I want you to support me. I want you to follow me. I'm going to lead you to promise land. When it's all said and done, athletes on a professional level just want to win. They don't care who does it. They just want to win. There was so much hype coming into Trevor Lawrence. There was so much hype coming into Urban Meyer that you had a ton of people who were buying in excited. And to me, the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't a bad football team the last couple of years. They were just a quarterback away of really making an impact or making a statement, and, and especially in that division. And they are supposed to have their their dream quarterback, Sunshine, if you will, from a member of the Titans. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be that answer, and Urban Meyer was supposed to be that answer, and it hasn't turned out to be that way. And now you have this little, you know, off the field incident. And I say little because it is, it is, you know, personal business. It shouldn't be blown out of proportion the way it has been. But the fact that you have a big name, you also have a big program that has an opening at SC, and everyone is speculating that Urban Meyer or someone like that magnitude is going to go and take that job. When you see this sort of get out and kind of carry it, it creates an opinion. And it's not necessarily a favorable opinion when people are looking at him. So I don't know if he's lost the locker room. I've seen uh, I've seen bits and pieces of the Jaguars games that it's not that they you know haven't played hard at times. It's just they they've been out schemed and just been beaten, which happens. So um, they're not really sure how far this thing is going to run, but it's unfortunate nonetheless. And you would think you would think that someone who's been around and been around various big programs and had its fair share of scandals kind of follow him, that he'd be more mindful, even though it was at his own club still be more mindful of the possibility uh, that, that we're trying to express to the younger generation to try to stay clear of and be mindful of when they're off the field. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, every week, DJ, PK, and LK. LK, we'll talk to you again there next you week. Go. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Coming up, your reaction to all of that. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. We heard from Bowler on the Jazz. Heard from Lincoln Kennedy on the Raiders and the NFL and on the crazy start to the Pac-12 season. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us.